Good morning, Promise Tribe. How you all doing? All right. So, less than grateful. So you're probably wondering why that card was given to you. Just keep wondering. I'll tell you at the end of the service, all right? Praise the Lord. What a great testimony. And without your notes. Boy, that's fabulous. Promise Tennessee. Hmm. Well, you've got enough preachers there already, right? Okay, are we ready to get going? Okay, good to see you. <clears throat> so welcome all those folks that might be here for the first time this morning or second time. I honestly believe with all my heart that God brought you here by divine appointment and that God wants to speak to your heart today and change your life forever. Are you ready? Who said I could do with some change? All right, thank you, thank you. So we're talking about preparing our heart for revival, and we spoke about it last week, and I'll continue the same thought about preparing our heart for revival. You know, there are many good things that a church can do, um, but there are some important things that a church can do, but there's very few essential things that a church or an individual needs to do. And Jesus gave us four essential things instructions, you could call them commandments, that we are supposed to do as a church and individually. The first thing he said was we should worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And this is found in the scripture John 4.24. God is a spirit and his worshipers have a choice. Are you reading with me? That's the reversed vision. And his worshippers what? Must. Say one more time. Must. Turn and tell your neighbor, must. must. So God is a spirit and worshippers must worship him in spirit and in truth. So this is not a suggestion. Jesus is not making suggestion. He's saying must. That's really important, must. Now next week, Pastor Cindy is going to do an in-depth teaching on worship. And although we love worship in our church, we come forward on Sundays, we have worship uh, once a month on the P3. And wow, wasn't the P3 this week out of this world? Praise God. I still have a hangover. <laughs> it was almost fantastically out of this world. It was just remarkable. So Cindy's going to continue teaching on worship, even though it's a priority in our church. The second thing Jesus said we have to do is love one another. And it really comes without saying, doesn't it? We should love one another. Look at John 13, 34. Jesus says, a new commandment. Notice it's not a suggestion. A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So the promised church is a church of love. People love one another. Anybody who comes in the door here goes, the first thing that strikes them is the love of the people. The people come up, greet them, love on them, talk to them. Uh, we're just a huge family, and we're always welcome to add, you know, relatives that we haven't met yet. That would be our first time visitors today if you didn't get that. <laughs> then Jesus said, the third thing he said, we should live in the Word. In John 8 and 31, he said, if you continue in my Word... Then you are truly disciples of mine, 
and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So let's just read the scripture backwards. We want to be free. That's where we want to be. Everybody here wants to be free. But in order to get free, we have to know the truth. You can't get true, can't get free unless you know the truth. But we find the truth in the Word. Jesus said, if you will stay in the Word, if you'll continue in the Word, if you'll live in the Word, you'll know the truth. But notice what he said here. You're also truly disciples of mine. You see, there are a lot of people that claim to be Christians, but are actually not disciples. One of the things that earmark a disciple is somebody who is in the Word. Somebody who loves the Word, reads the Word, spends time in the Word daily. And that's one of the reasons we have a Bible college. She's just saying amen to what I'm preaching. One day she's going to sound just like her mama. Amen. Just don't give her the mic yet. So we stay in the Word, we study the Word, we go to our Bible college so that you can grow in the Word. And notice it says continue in the Word. And here's, here's, the pro- here's the problem. The devil is always trying to get you out of the Word. He'll make you so busy that you don't spend any time in the Word. You don't take time, well, I've got to read the Bible today. Well, I've got to read. No, no, you get to read. This is a love letter written to, by God to you about your inheritance. Why wouldn't you want to read what your inheritance is about? You know? It's not a, just a religious practice. It's a relationship. In fact, I'd go so far as to say this. Jesus said, the scripture said that Jesus was the word. Did he say not? Did he say that? Jesus' word? I'd go far, far to say this, that your relationship with Jesus cannot be better than your relationship with the word. Ooh, that went over. Boy, I felt like everything dropped out the room here. Continue in my word, not, pat, not hat, hat, haphazardly. And number four, preach the gospel to the world. Jesus told us in Mark 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news or the gospel. Now, if you've been in the promise any length of time, you'll know we certainly practice uh, these four things. Uh, We emphasize the worship, we emphasize loving one another, and we certainly emphasize being the word. So what I want to do is I want to focus on the fourth one today. This is preaching the gospel. This is going outside of the church and sharing the good news with friends and family. Okay? That's where we're going to go today. So what am I saying? Preaching the gospel, literally tell your story. Tell your story. You just say, Pastor Henry, I haven't been to Bible school and I haven't studied deep theology. I don't care, nor does God. You have a story. See, your story is about Jesus and about what Jesus has done for you. How simple can that be? You just share what Jesus has done in you and for you. So you've got something to share about. You know, you can only witness to something that you've actually experienced. You can't be an eyewitness to an accident if you weren't there. But if you were there and you see the accident occur, now you're a witness. And so you should be a witness to what Jesus has done in your life. You've seen him do things in other people's lives, and you can share what Jesus is doing. Amen? Amen. All right. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and verse 13, You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and give, it gives light to all those who are in the house. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the salt and you're the light of the earth. So we have a responsibility to show the way to those who are in darkness. That's what Jesus is contrasting here. He said, you're the light and there's darkness in the world. So wherever you go, you're showing light to those who are in darkness. Make sense? So now, Jesus is depending upon you to tell the world what he has done. Jesus is the, the light. Now he's made us the light. Now we go and share with the world, hey, this is what Jesus has done. This is what Jesus has done. This, you know, most people, most people only know that Jesus was a good man and that he died on the cross for some reason. And when we celebrate it, we all have Easter eggs. <laughs> and bunny rabbits. It celebrates Jesus. Uh, and then at Christmas, we all give gifts to each other because it's happy holidays. So you see, the world doesn't know that he was divine in his birth and that he died on the cross and that he took your sins. He does, they don't know this. So we are the light. We are good to tell the world what Jesus did for us. See, the power of your witness is directly proportionate to the presence of God in your life. I'm going to run it past you one more time. The power of your witness is directly proportional to the presence of God in your life. Remember, Jesus said to go and wait to Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes, and then you'll have the power to go and witness. Remember that? So that presence of the Holy Spirit is the presence of God in your life. Here's another thought. The impact on your friends and your relatives that your testimony will have is entirely dependent upon that encounter that you've had with God. If you've had no encounter with God, then you're living a ho-hum type of Christianity. I was raised a Christian. Just, you know, what are you all so excited about? Why are you here on a Sunday clapping your hands and singing like this? What happened? I mean, I'm a Christian, but I don't do that. Then perhaps you haven't had an impact of Jesus in your life. Because if you've been impacted by Jesus, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, you will impact people around you because you can't shut up. You're like a, a fire hose, and anybody you see, you want to let them have it. I mean, it just flows out of you. You can't put a lid on it. I never forget, I, I was working my first job, and uh, they told me to stop uh, preaching, and I was scaring the secretaries. I mean, I told them, this, there really, really is a hell, you know. Anyway, so I was scaring them. So I was told to be quiet. Well, what happened is my phone went out and they had to replace my phone. So the technician came in, was down here on the floor on his knees fixing the phone. And I turned to him and I said, 
you know, while you're on your knees, <laughs> this would be a good time to receive Jesus. <laughs> Come on, keep me quiet. What kind of looking for an opportunity? You say, Pastor Henry, you know, I would be embarrassed to talk about Jesus to my friends and my relatives. I have two questions for you. Number one, would you rather Jesus be embarrassed of you when he comes? Or would you prefer not to be embarrassed? Second question, would you prefer not to be embarrassed and allow your friends and relatives to go into a lost eternity? Because you're too embarrassed to tell them about the life that's in Jesus. Jesus said in Mark 8.38, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes. It's a promise. When he comes, he's going to be ashamed. He comes in the glory of his Father and the holy angels. Why would you be ashamed? The gospel is the power of God. People get healed when you pray for the sick. Lives change when you pray for them. It's, it is God's power in our life. Listen to what Romans 1.16 says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. So the Bible knew that there were going to be people who were going to be ashamed. And, and Paul says, listen, I'm not ashamed because it's the power. It's the power of God. Well, Pastor Henry, I, I'm just too afraid. I'm too afraid because, you know, I haven't been to Bible college and I haven't been for Christian for a long time. And I'm going to stumble and mumble of my words and I'm not going to know what to say. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that will help you. Amen. That's why, God, why Jesus said, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. And then he'll help you to be, to be a witness. But really, listen to what Peter says. He says, do what is right and don't give way to fear. Hello. Should I leave now? How many of you know it's right to share with your friends and your relatives about Jesus? And you know that it's right. Because, I mean, you want them to go to heaven, right? You want their lives to change. You know it's right. So do what is right and don't allow fear to stop you. And then Timothy, Paul writes to Timothy and he says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. And that word fear is timidity. God didn't give you a spirit of timidity, but He gave you a spirit of love and of power. So you're actually much stronger than you think. You've got untapped reservoirs of power and love that you haven't used yet. And I promise you, when you open your mouth, that power and love will come out. It's there in you. You have to give an opportunity to get out. You know, every time I'm out and about whether I'm playing golf or working out at the gym, don't look at me like that. <laughs> I used to go. I used to go a lot. But I didn't pay my last installment, so they took my muscles back. <laughs> now, you can tell I'm a man on the level. The bubble's in the middle, so I'm good to go. But anyway, 
in the years when I did go to gym, everything else, and people find out that I'm a pastor, they always ask me this question. So, so what do you believe? So, you know, what does your church believe? So I had to come up with an answer. And I developed what I call the elevator presentation of the gospel. 30 seconds. Thank you for appreciating that back there. Because when you get in the elevator, you've got about 30 seconds. Okay. You want to turn your phones on and turn it on to the stopwatch? All right. So this is it. I believe in the infallible Word of God, the Bible. It is final authority in all the affairs of life, man's life. I believe in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He died on the cross in my place. He took my sin and the punishment due to me, and He was raised again from the dead. If you will repent and believe with all of your heart on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved and heaven will become your eternal home because we're saved by grace through faith. Guarantee you, 30 seconds. And you can do that, can't you? You don't have to go to Bible school. You could do it this afternoon. Just think you'll be a fireball by tonight. On fire, ready to preach. So <clears throat> let me give you um, the good news from the Scriptures, the pathway to salvation. This is what everybody has to go through. So let me give it to you. God sent Jesus to the earth to save us because He loves us, not because He's angry with us. We all know, for God so loved the world that He sent or gave the world His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Notice how many times the word saved comes up, just in my one sermon today, just in case you think it was a word that we coined for the promised church. Okay? The word saved. But you'll be saved, he'll save the world. But here's the problem. Jesus came, but here's the problem. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's not a single person in this room that hasn't sinned. Remember that? Remember the woman caught in adultery? They wanted to stone her. What did Jesus say? The guy who, first person who hasn't sinned, you throw the first stone. So nobody here can throw stones at anybody else. Are you, are you listening to me? Okay, nobody. Nobody. We're not judging anybody. We're not judging the world because we're all in the same boat, rowing the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all come short to the glory of God. Whatever our life has been, we know it was full of sin. We weren't walking with God. We're walking in darkness. We weren't following the Word. We're living in sin. Here's the big problem. The big problem is this. The wages of sin. There's a there's a, a coincidence, a consequence. The wages of sin is death. So we've all sinned, but the wages is death. There's no way out. You have to die. But hang on. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while you are dead in your sin, there is a gift God has given, eternal life through Jesus. We have to receive that gift. The interesting thing is, we still have to die. This time we have to die to ourselves. This time we have to die to our wicked ways. 
This time we have to die to the evil and the darkness in our life. This time we have to turn our back on those things and we have to bury the old man. And we have to choose the new life. It's a decision you make. Now there's no other way to be saved. In case you're thinking, well that sounds like a bit, bit of a rough way to go. I'm climbed the mountain from the other side. Not going to happen. There's no other way to get saved. Salvation is found in no one else. For there's no other name under heaven given to men by which you must be saved. Hello, must be saved. Must be saved. Must be saved. Notice the word saved. There's no other name. The name of Jesus is the only way to God. The name of Jesus and through Jesus, there is no other way. I understand something. There are many religions in the earth, and they think that they have got the answer. But you have to decide, is the Bible true or is these other religions true? Either Jesus is the way or he's a liar because he said, I am the way, not the way. I mean the way, not a way. I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. He claimed to be God. So Pastor Henry, what must I do to get saved? Well, first of all, you have to acknowledge that you've sinned, that you're a sinner, and then you have to repent of it. Okay? It's one thing to acknowledge it. It's another thing to repent. To repent means I'm going to change. Jesus said, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. No choice. Unless you repent, you will perish. So repentance is necessary. Repentance means I'm going to turn my back on what I used to be. I'm going to go another direction. I used to be all out for the world and do the things of the world and everything the world offered, but now I'm going to stop. I'm going to turn. I'm going to go for Jesus. I'm going to repent. But I'm also going to acknowledge I was wrong, that I was a sinner in God's sight, and that I wasn't heading for heaven. I was heading for the other place. So I'm going to repent. Number two. I have to believe in my heart that Jesus is the Christ, that he died on the cross. And then I have to say that with my mouth. I have to say with my mouth what I believe. Look at the scripture. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Notice, you don't have to believe that Jesus came to the earth. You have to believe he was raised from the dead. Do you see that? He said, you have to believe that he was raised from the dead. Because that's the miracle power right there, that resurrection power. Unless you believe Jesus raised from the dead, he could be any prophet. Any prophet, a good teacher, he could be a Martian. He came to the earth and died. So what? The fact is he was raised from the dead. That's what we have to believe. He was raised from the dead. And then you have to say this with your mouth. And if you do, what will happen? Watch the last four words. You will be saved. Do you see that it's in the Bible? You will be saved. Salvation is throughout the Scriptures. And lastly, we are saved by grace. Not by any good deeds. For by grace you have been saved. Have you seen how many times the word saved is in the Bible? It's like it's everywhere. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So you see, none of the good deeds that you do score points with God to get you into heaven. As good as you might be, and you might be better than your neighbor. But by whose standards are you judging? You're judging by your standards. If you're going to judge, if you're better than anybody, judge against Jesus. Then how do you shape up? Yeah, you've got to judge against Jesus. Jesus is the standard. See? But the Bible says that we've all sinned, all come short of the glory of God. And now the scripture tells me that it's not by works. I can't work for my salvation. See, I mean, honestly, there's so many people that think, if I go to church, I'm going to heaven. That's wonderful. Well, you know what? <clears throat> Just because you work in a garage is not going to make you a motor car. Just because you go to church doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you got raised in a Christian home doesn't make you a Christian. Just because you become a member of the church and you get a certificate, say, I'm a member, so what? The rapture comes, it'll fall off. And if, it goes, if you go the other way, it'll burn off. That membership doesn't count for anything. It's your relationship with God that counts. And we can't get there no matter how good we think we are or how many good deeds we do, as good as they may be. I'm not against good deeds. I'm just against people who put their faith in their good deeds to get into heaven, thinking, well, listen, God, I was a good person. Listen, if your good deeds is good enough to get you into heaven, then Jesus died needlessly. Then he didn't have to come. Because we could have made it on our own. He died and suffered for no reason. Well, how do you know? How do you know if someone has received Jesus? How do you know if someone has met the real Jesus? One word. One word. Change. Change. If there's been no change, you haven't met Jesus yet. I promise you, if you meet Jesus, you'll never, ever be the same again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Whoever is a believer in Christ is a new creation. The old way of living has disappeared. A new way of living has come into existence. And God has done all this. When you meet Jesus, you do not come out of that encounter the same. If you meet the real Jesus, you will be changed. And you'll begin to change into his likeness for the rest of your life. You'll continue to grow and to change into his likeness. If you go to church and come out of church the way you went in, you never met Jesus in that church service. If you get baptized in water and you come up without any change, all that happened is you went in a dry sinner and you came out a wet sinner. <laughs> Jesus will change you. Jesus will change you. And there's nobody on the face of the earth to say, I'm just so happy the way I am. No. We know there's something more. And the answer is Jesus. He's the one that will bring about that change. You know, 
non-Christians, unbelievers, non-churchgoers, do you know how they get saved, how they come to church, how they get, meet Jesus? They meet Jesus through another Christian. Christians out in the workplace, Christians out in the marketplace. You know, you have people in your circle of influence, in your world, that are not saved. Yep. How many? They're not Christians. They don't love the Lord. So this is what I want you to do. You were given a piece of a, 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 a blank card when you came in this morning. You're wondering what's it about. I want you to write on that card maybe four or five names of people that are in your sphere of influence, in your world, friends or relatives, and they need to live close to you, not somebody in New York, somebody close, somebody in the community, somewhere that you come in contact with. I want you to write their names on that piece of paper. And this is what I want you to do, four or five names. Everybody could write four or five names. What I want you to do is I want you to pray for one person at one o'clock for one minute for one month and then invite them to church. That's why they have to stay close to you. One name, pray for that person. One minute, one o'clock in the day. Every day for one month and invite them to church. Could you do that? Am I asking too much? Yeah. I don't think so. So you could pray for all of them if you want to. If you have a prayer time, you could put the piece of, that cardboard in your Bible. You could carry it with you, put it in your purse, take it with you wherever you go. And if you think about it, just look at those names. You know, Lord, I'm praying for these people that they will find Jesus like I found Jesus. Father, send somebody to talk to them about Jesus. And if I'm the one, I'm ready to go. But I need to see these people get saved. I want them to come. I don't want them to miss heaven. Now, go ahead and, and do that. And you know, you may be the only connection that God has to that person. You may be the light and the salt that God has chosen to reach that person. So I'm asking you, don't procrastinate. It's a weird service you come to. When I'm asking you to do this, it's like, what's going on here? I believe revival is breaking out, and I believe God wants to use you to reach your world. He wants to use you. You're the light. You're the salt. He wants to use you to, to reach your world. So don't procrastinate. And here's the reason. You see, a person only has the opportunity to receive Jesus and get saved while they are alive on planet Earth. The moment they pass away out of planet Earth, they know there's a God. And they know there's a hell. And they know there's a devil. And they know it's all real. And they can't then go, oops, my bad. Okay, I'm ready now. No, chance is gone. Because you see, you have to receive Jesus by faith. It's a faith decision you make. You haven't seen Jesus. You haven't touched Jesus. You've got to believe the Bible. It's a faith decision. When you get to the other side, it's not faith. You're facing it right there, right then. So would you do that? I'm going to pray for you that God will give you the wisdom and the, the power and, and so on to, to pray over those people and uh, to reach out to them. Now, we have a, a scripture I want to read to you before we finish. It says, you, Jesus said, uh, well, John said, you may say that, no, what's Jesus? You may say that there's still four months before harvest time. But I tell you, to look, and you'll see that the fields are ripe and ready for harvest. So the time is now. 
Don't put it off. Don't wait. So, well, I've got plenty of time. They may not have plenty of time. Um, you know, I have a, a, a great testimony that lines up exactly with my sermon. And uh, I, I would like Candace to come on up here with Candace, if you'd come up here. Amen. Yeah. So Candace had an experience just like this, just what I've been talking about at work. I did. You did. Okay, so tell us. I'm going to hold the mic. Okay. Because I know how, you, you know, we've we <laughs> got to get the people out by 12, okay? Right. So I'm going to hold the mic. Okay. So, uh, so tell me, what happened at work? Good morning, Tribe. So um, short end of the stick is I had a gag order put on me at work. Um, I've actually had two meetings um, the second meeting at work, um, human resources from Illinois sat me at a conference table and told me to keep my faith out of the workplace, mm. told me that God had no place in my job. Wow. Wow. Yes. Yeah. And so you obviously talking a lot. I, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> well, my whole life is kingdom. All right. You know, the only place that's not kingdom is my lab. Outside of that, my recovery, my, my ministry, my, my church, my, my everything is the kingdom of God. So yeah. when we're at work and um, we're talking about what we did the night before or what we did for the weekend, it's God. It's kingdom. You right. know, so my stories are kingdom oriented. Okay. So what happened? So, um... Then I said, okay, you okay. know, okay, we'll keep the God out of the workplace. And um, three Fridays ago, um, we had a morning meeting where I was reminded to not talk about anything. But somebody complained. The job, two people, yes, to mm. have complained about my, my speaking um, mm -hmm. about God mm -hmm. and making them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And um, so then that Friday, they asked me, they were well, not asked, they told us we mm. were only to talk about. Um, job-oriented um, mm. topics. And so a gentleman that I work with um, had said to me at the, after the morning meeting, said um, very solemnly, said, I need to talk to you. Mm. And um, I kind of assumed it was going to be another attack. Mm. And, um, but I said yes. And we said that we would talk on our lunch break. And to be completely honest, I was very apprehensive for, for this conversation. I was actually... Um, kind of looking to get out of it. I didn't want to take another attack. And um, so we go into the conference room, the same conference room where they told me to keep God out of the workplace. And, um, and I wasn't looking at this gentleman. His name's Kevin. And um, I was looking at my lunch, and um, I heard him say, um, I need you to tell me about Jesus. And um, I, instantly I kind of got angry because I thought I was about to be mocked. And when I looked up across the table, what I saw was defeat. I saw his eyes. I saw sadness and pain in his eyes. And the first thing I said is, if we're going to do this, I need to invite the Holy Spirit in. And he agreed. And so um, I took my chair and came around to the other side of the table, and I took his hands. And um, instantly, when I started praying in, in the Spirit, a whole new tongue came out. It was a tongue I didn't recognize in any way, shape, or form. And, um, and I looked at this gentleman, and... Um, uh, the, the spirit came over completely, and out of his mouth came confession. Um, he confessed um, what was leading up to this point. Um, a couple of nights prior to this, he held a neighbor in his arms as he died of an overdose. Mm. Um, and, um, and he said to me, I don't want to go to hell. Mm. Um, mm. I, I know, I know. 
And, um, and to be completely honest with you, what took place was not of my accord. I had the, the honor of, of sitting in this beautiful, divine um, position of observation as the Holy Spirit worked in me. Um, and um, being at work, I don't talk um, about specific intimate experiences. So this man had absolutely no idea what, the, the, what it looked like when the Spirit came on me. Mm-hmm. And what I saw in that moment was an identical replication of what happened when the Spirit came on me with Pastor Cindy. Mm. Um, shaking, crying, confessing, weeping, repenting, mm. and then um, and an acceptance um, mm. of the Holy Spirit. And then I heard the Spirit, um, he completely com- coherently said to me, cast off the spirit of addiction and, and, and cast off um, insecurity and doubt and fear and witchcraft, and I did. Mm. And, and, and with each spirit that was taken off of him was a collapse mm. and, and, a re- or, and, and receiving of the Spirit. And when I was done, um, when we were done, um, and I looked at this man who's um, about 6'1", 250, um, a previous firefighter covered in tattoos, um, was broken in the spirit, was, mm. was crying and weeping. And, um, and I went out to the car and I happened to have um, my Bible with me and um, your book, mm. um, the God's, plan. God's Plan for My Life. And this was a Friday and I gave it to him. Um, Monday was a completely new creation. Mm. Um, was a completely new creation sure. and he was hungry and he was, we, he was racing up to me telling me about the book that he read mm. and wanting to get baptized mm. and wanting to come into a church and yeah. tell his testimony wow. and, um, and, and wanting more and right. wanting more and, right. and I would go to Aaron and I was shocked because I had never seen a transformation like this mm. I had never it took us 13 months it took mm. us a year to have mm. the, the, yeah. the release of right. obsessions and desires and a comp- yes a complete yeah. transformation, right. and I saw it instantly. 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 Thank you, Lord. Stay here. Whoa. Hallelujah. Kevin, come up here. Come up. Come on. Look, look. You may be seated just for a moment. So Kevin, we've heard her side of things. So tell me, uh, what did your life look like? Oh, I was spiraling down out of control. I was scared for my life. Yeah. And there was a moment, you know, I, I just needed to talk to somebody. There was a whole yeah. week where after seeing this neighbor pass away. Yeah, yeah. And I needed to talk to somebody. I knew Candace was the one to talk to. She, she loves talking so to you. So you were taking drugs as well? Yes. Yeah, it's been, yes. It's been quite a while with you. Uh, in and out of my life. In and out. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you obviously you've heard, you heard at work, uh, Candace, because she can't keep quiet, right? Right. Don't talk, don't talk about it. Don't talk about it. Talk, but I had to. Because, you know, I know where she's been. She's yeah. talked about her life. And the drugs and, she and everything else. communicate and she would understand. Yes. And the, the main reason why I wanted to talk to her is because I wanted her to know that I'm going to be off drugs. You're going to see a different person, and I don't want you to think of my drugs. So you want to change. my energy is going to be yeah. way different. You, you want God so, to break you free from this. You want change, yes. and you want a new life. I want a new life. Amen. And, and it happened like that. So you sit, you sit her down, and you ask her, what did you ask her? I asked you to help me. I said, can you please help me? Yeah. And she sit up with a mouthful of food. <laughs> and 
she's trying to swallow it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and she, she grabs a chair and just sits down. Yeah. And like she said, a tongue that yeah. I never heard before. Yeah. And I was, and it was the most, most powerful experience I've ever experienced. Yeah. Jesus just came over me and yeah. presence wow. of God, presence like, of God all oh, over you. Oh my goodness. Wow, this is awesome. Like, yeah, bring me some more. I like this. <laughs> you know? And, 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 and you're repenting to Jesus. You're oh, absolutely, the whole time. Just yeah, and you're asking God to save you and save come, me, in, come in your you life. And I want more and yes. Yes. And just the feeling, like I was crying like a little kid. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's normal. And uh, yeah, I didn't know where it came from, but the feeling. Yeah. That so you go home me. and you read the book. I started reading the Bible, and then on Monday I switched. She switched Bibles with me. She gave me one that I could actually have for myself. <laughs> and so I would go home and just read to the family. Yeah. You know, my two-year-old yeah. son, my girlfriend, I read to them. Yeah. A different, random. I started off just right. randomly reading, opening pages. So, so this happened now three weeks ago. Yes, sir. Three, no, three weeks sir. ago. Have you been sober the whole time? The whole time. That's not, even, that's not even been a thought in my mind. It's just gone. It's history. Completely. It's history. The gone. desire's gone. It's the history. desire's gone. I've started making plans. Yeah. And God goes, No, you're not. You're going to go on stage and talk instead. Because I was thinking about it before. Yeah. That this is what I should probably do. What does he want me to do? I don't know. Yeah. But whatever he wants me to do, I'm willing to accept and, so, and do it. So the two of you, tell us about the thing you were having lunch when I. When I what do you mean? When I. Oh, yeah. So, okay. The. I had, the day before Pastor Henry calls me, he's like, I just got to go into a church and tell everybody about what you did. And I'm like, and, and I would told Aaron, I came into, I came home and I, Aaron was telling Aaron about what he said. He goes, watch, he's going to skip go. And before we know it, he's going to be on a stage talking. And the very next day, and the Pastor Henry's never called me. I've had plenty of conversations with Pastor Henry okay. and um, our Cindy. Pastor Cindy. And um, I'm sitting on my lunch break, and the only time we've ever shared lunch together was that one time. I go on my lunch breaks, and I listen to um, um, audibles. I, I listen to spiritual warfare, anything I can do to refresh throughout the day. And um, I'm by myself, and Pastor Henry sends me a text saying that Pastor Cindy had told him about what had transpired and that his sermon this Sunday was on, on exactly this. Would I be interested? And at that exact moment, Kevin is walking by and I said, hold on, hold on, hold on. And I'm like, let me get him on the phone. And, and so all three of us in that moment, which is a rarity, he doesn't call me. I don't have lunch with him. And he invites us to come here today. Yeah. God is doing it. Yeah. And that's all he's talked about all week. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm planning on like a baptism, you know, like I want to get my son, my mom, or my mom already did the real one. Yeah, yeah. And my dad. Yeah. I want. I'm planning this, and and, and so, Jesus is like, no, you're gonna do this instead first. Like, see, okay. we're talking about change. <laughs> when you've met the real Jesus, you're gonna carry the light. You're yeah. gonna affect your friends and family. There's no way you can be shut up. You know, because honestly, my whole life I've always got stuff put in front of me, and I'm just like, oh, I'll do it later. Yeah, yeah. I'll wait. The yeah. next thing you know, a year goes by like that. And okay. It happens so fast. Now, your mom and you know, dad are here this morning. Yes. Mom and dad, come on up here. All right. Come on up here. Brought the whole family. That's what I bring the whole family to church. Now, you guys are Christians already? Yes. Okay. So, you, were you praying for him? Yes, ah. for a lot of years. <laughs> a lot of years. <laughs> and uh, what do you see has happened? A big, big change. change. Yeah? Yes. He's smiling, he's talking, 
It's a big change. Big he, was in, he was in a bad place. We yeah. knew it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now he's a different son. Yes. Jesus did this. Yes. Okay, let's give Jesus praise. Thank you, guys. You can be seated. Who? You want me to go sit down? I stay here. Who? Nothing. I said, should I go sit down? Yes, please. Okay. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you Kevin. So what we're going to do now, we're going to have communion. And we're going to remember the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and his broken body. Uh, and we're going to partake now. Listen here carefully. If you have never met the real Jesus, then I'm going to ask you to pass on the communion when it comes. But if you decide when the communion gets to you, Jesus, I want to meet you, just like Kevin, just like Candace. I want you in my life, Jesus. I want this life. I want to go to heaven. Then pray that little prayer. Just say, Jesus, I give my life to you right now. Would you save me, Jesus? I want to go to heaven and thank you. And if you do that, then take the bread and the wine. Okay, is that good enough? Then, then just give your heart to the Lord right there, right then. Go ahead and serve, guys. Come on out. Come and serve. Come and serve. Now, we're going to pray as they serve. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we just, we just bless this situation right now as we, as we partake of the communion. We thank you, Jesus, for your broken body and your shed blood. Lord, we've met you, the real Jesus, and you've changed our life. And Lord, you've given us that power and that authority and that want to, to share with other people what you've done for us. And Lord, as we partake today, we are so grateful. Oh my God, we are so grateful that we've met you and our sins have been forgiven. And heaven is our home. We're not going to go to that hot place. We're not heading to the life of damnation for all eternity. And so as we partake this morning, we think of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and his shed blood. When you've received, go ahead and take. I'm going to ask the musicians that were here on Sunday, if they're still in the room, or Wednesday at the P3, the singers, just the singers, if you were here, to come and join me on the stage. If you were here on Wednesday, we want to do a special song. This song has become one of my favorite songs. And uh, it's called, What He Has Done. What He Has Done. And this morning, we're going to sing that song, We've got it ready to go. You want to come on? You need a mic? Here you go. Here's a mic. All right. Come on up. Now, when you've partaken of the communion, I know you will not be able to sit down. Because we are singing about Jesus and we're singing about what he's done, what he's done for us, what he's done for our friends, what he's done for our families. So by all means, stand or come forward, but we're going to worship him with thankful hearts for what he has done. Amen? If you're ready with the music, let's go. Thank you, Jesus. And sing. 
on the hill of Calvary, my Savior bled for me, my Jesus set me free. Look at the wounds that give me life, grace flowing from inside, no greater
our testimony what he's done what he's done what he's done what he's done thank you Lord Jesus for what you've done what you've done I'm going to ask our ministry team to come on stand down here with me please we're going to pray for those who need prayer this morning listen carefully if today's message spoke so strongly to your heart that you go you know what I really really need to make Jesus my Lord I haven't been saved. I know I haven't been saved. Based on what I heard this morning from the Scriptures, I need to make Jesus Lord. I believe He died and rose from the dead, but I've never prayed a prayer with anybody. I've never asked Jesus to save me. I'm going to ask you to come down this morning. Remember, this is a special appointment. I didn't know you were going to be here. God knew, but God asked me to speak like this this morning, especially for you. So I'm going to ask you to slip out of your seat. And come down to one of our prayer people down here, one of our ministers. They're going to pray with you. And I guarantee you, you're going to have an experience that Kevin had. You're going to be changed from the inside out. Old things are going to pass away. New things are going to happen. Your life's going to be different. I'm going to ask you to come and pray with somebody. Before I ask the next group, those who want to come, come now. Because when I ask the next group, there won't be anybody left to pray. There won't be any space. So come on down. Those you want, to, you want to give your life to the Lord, this is your day. This is your day. Come and do it right now. Come and do it right now. Come on down. Brian, over there. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can we have men with men and ladies with ladies? Thank you so much. Anybody else? You want to come on down? Are you sure? All right. Okay. Hmm? All right. Okay. Is his name Kevin? Your name is Kevin. Are you kidding with me? Always imitated, never duplicated. Boy, he is so full of it. 
If you need healing in your body this morning, Kevin's already down for healing as well, I'm sure. But if you need healing in your body, or you'd like to receive the power of the Holy Spirit that we spoke about, come on down. We're going to pray for you right now. We've got one minute. Come on down right now. You need, you need to give your life to Jesus. You want healing in your body. You want to receive the Holy Spirit. Come now. Come on down right now. Real quick. Come on down. Okay. Huh? Okay. Don't all stampede, all right? Don't want anybody hurt as you stampede to the front. Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to dismiss you. And then those who really wanted to be down here for prayer, you can still come. We'll ask the prayers to stay for just one minute. We'll ask our ministry team, okay? Lord, we thank you for this wonderful service. We thank you for the wonderful testimony of Candace and Kevin. And we thank you for what Kevin's going to do in his life. We bless him. We bless him, Lord, and all his family and his friends that are going to be changed by his testimony. I bless the whole congregation this morning that they will go out, Lord, full of fire. They will go out with the love of God, willing to share, praying for those people they've written on their cards, Lord. And that we'll see them come. We'll see hundreds and hundreds of Kevins coming in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. We'll have a great week. We'll see a lot of you at Bible College tomorrow. We can have the lights up and you're dismissed.